And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We are in week two of a message series called Spiritual DNA, where we're uh, really digging into Scripture and taking a look at, at what being a Christ follower looks like in the 21st century. Our theme verse that, that kind of lays the foundation for, uh, for this series is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and I want to share that with you this morning. It says this, it says, imitate God. Imitate God. You know, that word imitate in the original language is where we get uh, our word mimic. And I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a fair before or, or a place where you've seen kind of the clowns that are, that are dressed up in the black and white and, and you kind of walk around and you look around and they're kind of following you and they're doing everything. They're moving every different way that, that you move. They're mimicking you. And, and what Paul says here in Ephesians is he gives us this challenge for all of us as Christ followers to imitate God. He says for us to do it in everything that we do, not just in certain parts of our life, not just the parts that we want people to, to be aware of, um, not just in the areas where, you know, we're not picking and choosing which areas that we're imitating God. But, but Paul gives us this challenge to imitate God in every area of our lives. And he tells us the reason why we should live our lives this way is because we are his dear children. Another way to say it is, is that, that God has done so much in our lives, that his forgiveness is so, so huge and it so covers everything that we've done ever in our lives that why would we not devote our lives to live like Jesus? And so the question really then becomes in this series is how do we do that? How do we live the kind of life that imitates God, not just in a few areas of our life, but in everything that we do? And if today you're joining us for the first time, you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to last week's message that was really a foundation of everywhere that we're going to be going in this series as we talked about the importance of staying connected to Jesus. Today what I want to do is I want to take just a few moments and I, I want to take our time together and I want to begin to unpack uh, the nine character traits that God produces in our lives when we allow him to, to be the leader of our lives. Now, these nine character traits are found in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. And it says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And I want to stop right there and I want to make sure that, that we all are on the same page in understanding that producing these kind of fruit, that, that producing these kind of character traits in our lives as followers of Christ, that, that there is some effort behind it, but there's nothing good within us that can allow us to ever get to a place where we kind of pass the test, so to speak, with these fruit in our lives. 
that it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit that produces these things in our lives. And that's why we talked about last week the importance of, of staying connected connected to the vine, allowing what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to do in our life to begin to flow out of our life. And so what we see here in Galatians 5 is that it's the Holy Spirit that produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And and here's what these character traits of God look like. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness. And it's self-control. And today what I want to do is I want to take our time together and I want to talk to you from this first character trait that we see in these two verses, which is that of love. Would you join me in just a quick word of prayer this morning? Father, we, we love you and we're so thankful for your presence in our lives. And God, as Christ followers, our deepest desire is to mimic you in every area of our lives. And so today, as we open up your word, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, help us to better understand what your love looks like and how we might live that out in our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well... Andrea and I, we, when we got married, and, and the kids like to refer it as back in the 19s, almost like uh, it's the 1500s or the 1600s, they, they say back when you and mom got married back in the 19s, which we got married in 1999, um, for me, I had only been saved for a couple years. And so when we came into this relationship, I was coming in as a byproduct of of a broken home, a byproduct of of parents that that struggled with addiction in their life, a byproduct of of kind of a lifestyle where where my sister and I would would be um, uh, sent off to live with other family members as my parents would would try to wrestle through their, their addiction. And so for me, Um, I came into our relationship with a lot of baggage. Now, Andrea, on the other hand, was was raised in a really uh, stable home with with parents that that were faithful to God and and, 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 um, uh, worked in ministry and went to church, and she grew up going to church. Now, she, she didn't have a brother, ever had a brother, and so that got to be quite interesting as we began to, to navigate uh, marriage. We had only dated for three months, and so that first year to two years of our marriage was really had a lot to do with us kind of getting to know one another and, and kind of bringing um, our two paths of life together and beginning to figure out what that looks like for us. And, and I remember... I remember this moment, it was probably a month to two months into our marriage, and, and Andrea comes up to me, and she asked me this question. She says, do you love me? She said, do you love me? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if I would have known then what I know now, my response would have been a whole lot different than it was. But in that moment, as a byproduct of a broken home with a lot of baggage and things in my life, my, my response was genuine, and it was from the heart, 
But my response was quite a bit different than what she expected to receive. It was in that moment that I looked at her and I said, I love you as much as I know how to love. I love you as much as I know how to love. Now, now right now, you know, some 20 years later, that, that's kind of funny, but it didn't go over very well in the moment. But the truth was, when you're 23 years old and a byproduct of a broken home where you you grew up feeling like your parents were choosing drugs and alcohol over you, that, that your understanding of what love is, your, your perception of what love is, it gets, a bit, it gets a bit distorted. And the truth is, is that every one of us have a similar story in our own lives. For your story right now where you are, it, some of the details probably look a bit different, but my guess is, is that when you look in the rearview mirror of your life, that there's some past hurts that are there. There's some moments and experiences that you have where you experience some rejection or even some disappointment, or there might even be some of you that that are watching this morning or whenever you're tuning in to watch today that, that even experience some abuse along the way. And what happens when we experience those things in our lives is they begin to shape our perception of what love is. You know, probably the easiest way that I can explain it is is as a kid, I remember, like all kids, we fall and, and we scrape our knees and we get bruises and cuts and all that stuff. And, and I remember as a kid, for me, that when I, would, when I would scratch my knee up and the skin would come off and I'd have some blood there and dirt and all that, that the thing that I hated the most about that injury wasn't the moment of the injury. It was always that night. Do you remember, like, when you had to get in the shower and you had to you had to wash it off and and i i don't know what you did but i know for me i would i would wash every area i possibly could around the injury and what would happen if i wouldn't kind of lean into the pain of the moment of trying to clean out the wound is that over time it would begin to get infected and as the infection began to, to sink in, the pain began to intensify. And, and oftentimes our life is a lot like that, that what we fail to realize is that, that all this pain and all this hurt from the time that we were born up until now, that, that all of this has been Satan's plan to do what John 10.10 says, to steal, kill, and destroy God's purposes for our life and our ability to, one, to be able to receive his love and to receive love from others, but also our ability to be able to give love to God and to give love to others. And friend, that's one of the reasons why Jesus steps into the picture and begins to model what true love really looks like. 
what Jesus does in Scripture is he, he brings this kind of stark contrast between what worldly love looks like and what biblical love looks like. And one of the snapshots that we see is in Mark chapter 14 with Jesus and his interaction with Judas. You probably remember Judas. Judas was one of the disciples who made the decision to betray Jesus for money. Now, you would think, as all of us would, that if somebody's going to betray Jesus for money, that, man, that's got to be an awful lot of money that he, was, that he was receiving. But did you know that Judas betrayed Jesus for what would be equivalent today of a couple hundred dollars? And what we see in Mark 14 is that despite Judas's betrayal of Jesus, that Jesus continued to minister to Judas and to love Judas. I mean, think about it. The fact that Judas was going to commit this act of, of treason, that it didn't change Jesus' behavior or his love towards Judas. I don't know about you today, and I don't know about your journey of, of following Christ, but I know for me along the way that, that I've gone through some periods of time where I've, where I've disobeyed God. I've gone through some seasons and some times where, where I ignored him and I elevated my own interests and my own desires over what he's wanting to do through my life. And, and what did he do along the way? He continued to love me. He continued to seek out ways to show his amazing grace in my life. And friend, as we think about that, it's that kind of love that Jesus had in mind when, when he said this in John chapter 13. In verse 34, he tells us, he gives us this command to love each other. And then, and then look at this. This is the tough part of this command. He says, just as I have loved you. Jesus gives us this command as followers of Christ to love one another. And he says to do it just as I have loved you. Friend, I want us to take just a moment wherever you are right now. And I want you to think about your journey with God. I want you to think about that moment as you reflect back on all that God has done in your life and all the times that you've promised him that you would do better and you broke that promise. You know, the time that he stepped up into your life and, and you had all this baggage and you had all this sin and all this stuff that was, was in your life and, and, and the blood of Jesus just washed over it and forgave you of it all. My guess is there's some of you that probably have a story similar to me and you kind of think back in your life and wonder if, if Jesus wouldn't have stepped into your life in the moment that he stepped into your life, would you still be alive today? I mean, every one of us today that call ourselves Christ followers have a story of God's amazing grace and his mercy 
in our lives, all the times that we didn't deserve it, but yet God still extended his love and his grace and his mercy to us. And Jesus says here in John 13 that he gives us the challenge for us to love other people just as he has loved us. I mean, that's a mind-blowing statement today. It's a mind-blowing statement that as we look back in the rearview mirror of our lives and, and the people that, 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 that have hurt us and the people that have disappointed us and the people that have let us down along the way to, to look at them and, and instead of holding things over their head and holding on to unforgiveness because of the pain that we felt in the past, to look at them in an unconditional way, like Jesus looked to us and say, we're going to love them despite their shortcomings, despite their mistakes, despite the hurt and the pain, despite their attitude, despite everything that they've done in my life, that I'm going to love them the way that Jesus has loved me. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 35, he says that your love for one another, look what he says. It, he says that it will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That it'll prove to the world our love, not on our church attendance, not the things that we say, not the things that we do, that Jesus is, is telling us and to think about he's telling us in, in, a, in a season of history in these unprecedented times where, where you've got COVID that's shutting down the world and you've got all this racial tension and protests and riots and, and we're on the, the two weeks from a presidential, a bitter presidential election and Jesus is even looking at us and and what I would consider as a 44-year-old to be the most divided our country has ever been in my lifetime. And Jesus is looking at us today and he's saying, if you really want to know whether you're in or out, if you really want to know where you stand as a follower of me, then, then he's saying it all boils down to one test in our life. And friend, that test isn't what most of us would assume the test would be. The test in Jesus' eyes is the love test. Will you love others? Will you love others even when you disagree with them? Will you love others even when they've hurt you? Will you love others even when they've mistreated you? Will you love others even if you've got political differences? Jesus is looking at us today as followers of Christ and he's saying, I want you to love others as I have loved you and that it is that test of love that proves that we are his disciples. I think if Jesus was, was right here today, he would probably say that the antibody test to to see if you and I are testing positive for Jesus in our life, that that, that antibody test is love. And, 
He'd probably say to some of you that you claim to, to believe in me, you claim that you're my followers, but do you have any of the symptoms? Are you showing any of the symptoms in your life? And my guess is, is he'd probably look around and he'd look around at some and he'd say, I think you're asymptomatic for me today. But you aren't testing positive because what Jesus says is that that test, testing positive for Jesus in our life is the test of love. And so friend, how do we, how do we live that kind of way? How do we do what, what Ephesians 5 says to imitate Christ in our lives? How do we love other people like Jesus has loved us? Well, I think we began to scratch the surface in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. In 1 Corinthians, is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, and the Apostle Paul is writing this letter for a couple reasons, and one of the main reasons is to address some of the issues that's happening within the church. You see, what was happening is that the church in Corinth was elevating the gifts of the Spirit over the fruit of the Spirit. That what they were doing is they were elevating what would happen in a church service over loving other people. And, and Paul steps in and, and he wants this church to make the decision to choose to love people, to make that a priority, even over the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the church. And in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, chapter 12 is all about the spiritual gifts, and, and, and he's unpacking all of that. And, and then he makes this set-up statement in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, the last verse. He says, but now let me show you a way of life, look at this, that is best of all. Let me show you, talking to the church, let me show you a way that is best of all. And then he begins to write in 1 Corinthians 13. He says that if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, that I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of, of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, that I would be nothing. Watch this in verse 3, that, that if I gave everything that I have to the poor, I mean, I mean that's a big deal. That's something to, 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 um, to be proud about. But he says that if I, have, if I give everything to the poor and even sacrifice my body, he said, I can boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Friend, today I want to close and I want to kind of close a little bit differently. But I want to share these next few verses because I believe they're some of the most well-known verses in the Bible, yet the least lived out verses in the Bible 
The Apostle Paul begins to describe in detail what, what love looks like, and he says this. He says, love is patient and it's kind. That love is not jealous or boastful or proud or even rude. Look at this next statement, that it does not demand its own way. The kind of love that God desires for us to live out in our life, that it's the kind of love that doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. That it keeps no record of, of being wronged. Friend, if you're watching today and, and you've got, you got some hurt in your past, that there's been some people along the way that have wounded you deeply. God says that the kind of love that I want you to show to them is the kind of love that doesn't keep any record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Say this with me. Love never gives up. It never gives up. Friend, if you're watching today and you and your spouse are going through a difficult season in your life and, and you've been talking about divorce, you've been talking about separation, friend, love never gives up. never loses faith that it's always hopeful and that it endures through every circumstance friend I don't know about you but that looks like a target of what my love towards others should look like that when I take a step back out of the wounds of my life and I look at the way that I should live my life, what God has called me to do and what he's called you to do, that that looks like the target. If you're anything like me, you're gonna, you're gonna read those verses and your thinking is gonna be, I, I can't do that. There's no way that I can live that way knowing that everything that I've been through, knowing my personality, knowing my painful past, that I can't live that way. I want to, but I can't. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to give you some shocking news that you probably don't expect this morning. And that is, you can't. Friend, you can't live that way. And that's the whole premise of this series is that it's the Holy Spirit that produces that kind of love in our lives. 
the John 15 that we talked about last week, that we are the branches and that he is the vine, that it's the kind of life that as we stay connected to him, that he begins to walk us down the road, this process of of loving others better. John 15, 5 says that those who remain in me and I in them, look at that connection, will produce much fruit. But friend, apart from me, you can do nothing. Friend, my challenge to you this morning Don't wait for the feeling of loving your enemies. Don't wait for the feeling of loving those that have hurt you and rejected you and disappointed you and maybe even abused you. That the world's kind of love is is shaped by the way that we feel. But God's kind of love is shaped by the choices that we make. Friend, if God waited until he felt like loving you and me until we got our lives together in order, we would still be waiting. But God made the choice that despite the way that we live and despite the broken promises and despite all the shortcomings in our lives, that he chose to send his son to die on a cross so that you and I might receive eternal life challenge to you and me is to make the same choice friend that choice isn't to try harder to love those that have hurt us the choice is to love him deeper and friend as we love him deeper we're able to love others We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.